When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be back with you on a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Man, going to knock some dust and some rust off. Got a 12-day spurt without me and you. I've missed you. The wife said uh, about 10 days ago, get back to work. Uh, I'm I'm back. So uh, thanks for your time. Thanks for tuning in. Happy belated New Year uh, from us here at Hale Varsity. Elijah Herbal, good stuff with you and Will. Thanks for kind of rounding out this little mini vacay. And uh, a lot to talk about. Uh, A little bit more into the portal with uh, Nebraska's quarterback, Chase. Uh, Good stuff yesterday with Mitch Sherman on on the, the want whether it can happen or not, but the want to take possibly two quarterbacks in the portal, two uh, two names to continue to know, and we'll uh, volleyball that around here in a little bit. Uh, also coming up, Mike Babcock with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine Babbers will join us. We'll talk some hoops. We'll talk some football. Mike Shuhart, Shuey, is no doubt going to go Mr. Miyagi on Old Man Winter, hopefully, and have us a, a full bore golf season uh, it is winter, and it is sub-zero right now at Eastern Nebraska, but Shuey from Wilderness Ridge in 30 minutes. And then Andy Markowski will join us. His thoughts on Nebraska basketball. The men take Sparty on tonight. Uh, the women, big-time win. And Alexis Markowski, uh, phenomenal last night as the Huskers took down number 8 Michigan. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-4663-776-800-825-5865. Can email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Find and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, we'll also dive into uh, a, uh, well, a number, right? How's a million dollars grab you? Not Dr. Evil style in the original, but uh, the new reality for high-level coordinators. A case made for Coach Chenander to be uh, up above that million-dollar number. Uh, Mitch Sherman and his story. So we'll get to that. So, Elijah, what do you know? You staying warm. You uh, re-energized. You had a little bit of a breather, too, with bowl week last week. And now we're all kind of still waiting not necessarily for what we think Bill Bush is going to do, but what Nebraska football, we're still at this holding pattern spot with the quarterback. Oh, the quarterback. Feels like uh, <laughs> that's been uh, that's been our, our daily topic for the past couple weeks, even uh, from before the layoff. And I'm sure it'll continue to be a topic up until the start of spring, up until the spring game, really. 
All right, so it's uh, it's looking shaping up to be an exciting offseason for uh, the quarterback position. But you got uh, what was it? The report is out today that uh, Casey Thompson is here in town uh, visiting. It was yesterday. He was in town, and he's still in town today with his dad, Charles. Uh, let's if if Nebraska is in in true favor of landing Casey Thompson, keep Kent Kent Wells the hell away from him. Because if Dad's along, you're looking at me funny. Kent Wells, I think, busted Charles Thompson's leg on the final play in a rainy final showdown between Switzer and Osborne in Norman in 1988. 7-3 ball game. Switzer was smoking in the raid on the sideline. And Charles Thompson was a, a, a just a phenomenal quarterback. They got into some problems after that uh, that ball game. But, yeah, Nebraska and, and Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride's D, showed up in force that day. So back, back when football was football, playing in the downpour, final score 7-3, to three, the coaches are smoking on the sidelines. Barry, yeah, it was Probably Barry's, drinking a Fanta at halftime, too. I don't know what Barry was doing, but uh, <laughs> long and short of it is Kent Wells ended the, uh, the season for Charles Thompson. And uh, don't bring him around. Not that coaches can have contact here. This is just kind of a recon mission for Casey Thompson. And uh, listen, you know, the more you look at it here, and if you're Nebraska, this has got to be your pitch. Uh, your pitch, nine-degree wind chill. Yes, thank you, Babbers. Babbers is on deck, baby. Uh, <laughs> listen, you have Thompson, and Texas did what Texas did this year, five and seven, okay? Uh, you had Thompson with pretty solid numbers. That is leading the Big 12 in touchdown passes with 24. Think of some of the quarterbacks in the league. It's not a vintage class of Big 12 quarterbacks. Not awful either, okay? We still have Brock Purdy, two five-stars at Oklahoma. I know Mm -hmm. they they split reps, but Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler both. I mean, good quarterbacks. You had the the, the name value, Mm -hmm. right? So 24 touchdown passes. He played with a thumb injury. You know, if this continues to progress... We'll no doubt run down our old buddy uh, Cedric Golden with the Austin American Statesman, get his take on on Casey Thompson if it moves forward. You know, ESPN does a wonderful job of of following the portal, and uh, you have Tom Van Heron uh, that is doing the kind of the portal circle here on on different position groups and quarterback is is where he's leaning. Now, as of you know, twenty hours ago, you've got Thompson in Lincoln. And you've got Ewers headed to Texas from Ohio State. The, the question mark is this. If if you're Casey Thompson, do you really look at Nebraska? You are. But you're also going to look at Sonny Dykes and TCU. Because that's also an option with, uh, with, with where things are at. Uh, speak of the devil, just a text uh, back here from Cedric Golden. Uh, listen, uh, Casey's a high-character dude who played half the year with a mangled thumb, talented dude who lives in the film room. That is your quick synopsis from Cedric Golden on on Casey Thompson. So he's a guy that, that plays hurt, played well enough to, to get 24 touchdown passes, and, and clearly uh, is a student of the game. That's, that's the uh, 101, the 411 on Thompson. So there are worse choices out there. Are there better choices? I don't know. It kind of comes down to fit 
and the the wild card is what potentially a Thompson and Whipple relationship could produce for Nebraska's offense. In, in if you're going to say Casey come in, be the guy as your grad transfer, go win the job here in Lincoln. And by the way, Chubba Pretty, you're a four year guy. Let us let us put you with Whipple and let you two work some things out. Because Pretty's one of these high level, high star, arm talent galore guys that just didn't win a job early at Florida State. Now he's looking. There needs to be kind of a mesh point eventually in the world of college where the kid and the kid's handlers need to realize that, okay, you're not Tommy Frazier, right? You're not Sunshine from Clemson. You're not Vince Young. I mean, Vince didn't start as a freshman, for God's sake, or a redshirt freshman. Vince didn't start in, in Texas till he was a, a redshirt sophomore, then junior, then left for the NFL. Matt Leinart didn't start right away. Okay, Sanchez didn't start right. Go down the list of high-level quarterbacks. The only guy that there's one of one, and his name's Peyton Manning. Okay, that that's it. With hey, you're gonna come in as a freshman and ball. Well, freshman and and Peyton Manning came in early and and balled right. But other than that, uh, Johnny Manziel. Okay, John Johnny and, and Tebow. But even so, but they they weren't. It's not Manning. No, it wasn't. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't Peyton. So at some point, the mesh point is this: eighteen-year-olds, nineteen-year-olds that don't win a job need to a be told the truth that you're gonna. It is open every year, even if if someone beats you out, and he's got a he's got multiple years. I'm not saying four or even three, but if there's a guy that comes in as a I don't know, a redshirt a red shirt freshman or a sophomore and, and has a couple of years, great. Sit, learn, develop, get better. The kids and the kids' parents or quarterbacks coach need to realize that it, it's okay to, to spend a year and get better as long as you can legitimately have a chance to go win the job again. And I don't know that's each to their own per program, Okay. But this hopscotch of going from team to team, from town to town, in search of a guaranteed starting job, just ain't going to cut it. And eventually you're going to see uh, lack of landing spots or not the original spot you wanted, or you're just not going to, you're going to get told one thing and another thing happens. That's what's going to happen. Eventually quarterbacks are going to need to get seasoned for a couple of years. That's Okay. It's even happened in the NFL. Rarely do you throw in your rookie. Trevor Lawrence has been the exception at Clemson and, and of course, at Jacksonville. And a lot of times you throw those guys in early, they never recover or they get too beat up and you don't really know what could have been. I mean, it, it's Justin becoming, Fields. It's becoming more popular in the NFL though, to throw your rookie in early. And it seems like the guys that get the chance to sit for a while end up having better careers, especially, uh, I mean, John Rodgers is the extreme, but. I mean, Joe Burrow is a guy that seems to be doing well despite being thrown in the fire. And look, he still got injured his rookie year and oh, had, to, had to work bad. back from uh, had to work back from an injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like Patrick Mahomes sat for the first 15 games of his rookie mm-hmm. year, didn't even see the field, and finally got a start in Week 16 against the Broncos, and that was one of the worst days of my life. 
because uh, I, 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 I wish I knew it was coming. <laughs> but it's uh, I, I'm with you on this one, and that's what makes me question whether or not has Purdy reached that point. Has Chuba reached the point where he's ready to to come in and sit behind somebody? Because we, if, if we it is two, we don't know, man. We well, he's got four years to play, and even if you say, "Yeah, I want to come to Lincoln," you don't want to lose what could be a guy that you water, grow, and develop if he'll give you a year or two. If he has four years, doesn't mean he can't go start for two, or start for three, or maybe start for one. I mean, Michigan's run into the problem. I mean, look at all the the, the, the five-star and four-star quarterbacks Harbaugh had brought in that never stuck before McNamara. Look at Ohio State, their riches. You got a first-round guy that's kind of hanging on by a thread in the league that, air quote, beat out Burrow. Burrow transfers, wins the Heisman, has an incredible senior year. And, and Joe was a guy that was very patient and put in – Four years, three and a half years at Ohio State trying to win a job. He didn't bolt right away. He didn't. He, he stuck it out and grinded it out. And you look at the succession of quarterbacks that the Ohio States have had, the Clemsons have had up until this year, the Texas had when you look at Vince Young and, and, and McCoy. You look at Nebraska's run of quarterbacks. I mean, you want to have that next guy up that knows the offense, that knows the system is is – completely comfortable and has been patient enough to to not kind of delude his his progress by being shaky and inconsistent so that's that's my take uh hopefully we'll get that mesh point uh where a quarterback a young quarterback can be patient for a couple of years and the 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 king of all this look at all the transfers a&m has had over the years i mean it's it's incredible with the, the Kyler Murrays of the world uh, or, or even Texas Tech situation with Baker Mayfield, right, leaving Tech because he was a walk-on and ending up at Oklahoma. Look at Bama's situation with Hurts leaving after winning a title, okay, and then you had Tua, and then you had Mack. And, and Mack only started for a year, but he never left. He's like one of the, the, the few examples so if you're Nebraska, you say, Casey, you have a chance to be the guy right now. Chubba, you have a chance to be the guy in the real near future. It's not that you can't go win the job, but you're pretty inexperienced. We want a guy who's got some starts under their belt. It looks like Thompson is that guy right now for Nebraska. And it kind of comes back to a, a discussion me and Will had get him. yesterday, which was is uh, the era of the backup quarterback being the most popular guy in town, is, is that era now over with as much movement as we see from backup quarterbacks? Yes, time will tell whether or not the uh, the transfer portal, uh, I know it's it's been crazy and we've seen the craziness, whether or not we'll regress back to where we were 10, 15 years ago, whether this train just keeps on rolling. Uh, I guess we'll figure that one out. But do you think that Nebraska will have a a, a quarterback by the time a, a running backs coach is announced or a uh, – <laughs> Or a defensive line coach is announced or a special teams coach is officially announced? I think, honestly, you're waiting on the Mr. Knox from Florida, mm-hmm. what he wants to do, and what can Mr. Knox bring from Florida with him, potentially, in the Florida running back room. And I don't mean this in any way, shape, or form disrespectfully, but your fallback is Ron Brown, and that's an amazing fallback. You can just go right there if he wants to do it. He would do it. Does he want to do it at his age? And he's the 
youngest 60-plus-year-old I've seen in my life. So I'm not questioning whether or not he can coach running backs. Hell, yes, he can, and he can do a great job recruiting and developing. But I wonder if Knox makes it happen uh, from Florida. That um, remains to be seen. Bush is going to be your guy at special teams. Clearly, it's not been announced. And then you're just kind of fishing for a quarterback. And, and listen, Thompson's mobile. Uh, it, it's interesting, too, to see where, where, where uh, Gabriel went, right? Because we, we, we thought Ole Miss, and then we heard UCLA, and then his offensive coordinator that he loved playing for at Central Florida that ended up at Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin went to Oklahoma. He's reunited with him there. So Gabriel kind of did a 180 and said, I'm going to Oklahoma. All well and good there. Uh, now you have a guy that won a lot of ball games for you in Caleb Williams. Did a hell of a job as a freshman. Came in when things were rocky and, and took over that job. He's now shopping in Caleb Williams. So the quarterback carousel continues. Mike Babcock's next to Tail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. <laughs> Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thoughts on Coach Shenander and if and when he needs a bump for the upcoming season. That's on the way. Eddie Markowski here in about 30 minutes. We welcome in Historian, author, Hall of Famer, Husker Insider. It's Mike Babcock with Hale Varsity at MD Babs on Twitter. Mike, Happy New Year, bud. Good to spend some time with you. I've missed talking with you. Yeah, Happy New Year to you. I've got a buddy, Leo, listening today, so i got to say something of substance. But I... <laughs> <laughs> you'll... That's going to be a task, you know, Man, even in the New Year. You'll be fine. It's always substantive. And I, I kind of went back to a, a pretty fond memory of my childhood, and that's watching the Nebraska-Oklahoma game with my dad and some of his buddies, and we always would watch the Oklahoma game and then whatever bowl game. It always rotated between Sitzman's, Klein's, or Calvin, as we called him, Calvin Klein, or, or our house, right? The same group of families. We'd all watch either the Oklahoma game or the, um, the, the bowl game, which ended up a lot of times because of those 1980s Oklahoma teams being so good, usually was a fiesta bowl, Mike. So, uh, but I remember going out to the airport as a kid and watching Nebraska come in, and uh, the Husker fans were out at the Lincoln Airport in full force after Nebraska downed Nebraska, uh, Oklahoma and Charles Thompson, not Casey, but Charles Thompson, seven to three, on that final uh, rainy showdown between Switzer and To. Yeah. Yeah, that was a. I looked. I looked up the story. Actually, it said that the uh, the the sack that got him, that injured him, was the last of seven. It was uh, 
Willie Griffin and Lawrence Pete. Lawrence Pete, the Pride of Wichita. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the one that uh, that Wells made was a critical one because it was for a loss of eight yards with a minute and forty five to go. Um, pushed to push the Sooners back. So, um, man, seven sacks. Uh, and he was a pretty talented quarterback. I I just remember a, a, I have a copy of a picture from that game that uh, Ted Kirk at the Journal Star had taken, made a copy for me of Lawrence or uh, of uh, Roderick Thomas after he sacked Thompson, and they're actually hugging, which you know they were they were uh, friends apparently, but uh, that was quite the game. You didn't typically expect Nebraska Oklahoma to end up seven to three. No, that was rainy. That was windy, and I don't know how Switzer got his cigarette lit. <laughs> I, 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 I'll ask Barry that next time. But yeah, we were talking with Barry this year, and it's like, well, hell, and you can hear him saying it. Charles' son's going to be starting for Texas. You imagine that. My Oklahoma quarterback's got a son starting for Texas, but Casey Thompson's been our topic here the first few uh, few minutes because, you know, it sounds like he's on Nebraska's radar and, and vice versa as uh, as a potential grad transfer. I don't remember watching a ton of Texas ball. I just know that the kid could throw it, and there was uh, he was a big reason for Texas jumping out to the lead they had on Oklahoma in that uh, Red River showdown. Yeah, the the uh, the one concern I think Nebraska probably has now is with with Caleb Williams leaving, or at least putting it, suggesting he's going to put his name on the transfer portal. But he also left it open that he might come back. But but if if he were to leave by way of the transfer portal, then do you think that uh, Thompson is more likely to go to Oklahoma? Well, they've got Dylan. Uh, Gabriel, right? Yes. That's the kid that's from Central Florida. That he he switched from UCLA and he's now going uh, to Oklahoma. So he's he's headed to OU. So whether so, William, so whether Williams goes or not, Gabriel's coming in to to be with his old OC. Yeah. Okay. So you so you you think that that decision probably opens it up again, uh, puts Nebraska in a better position. To get a guy like Thompson, right? I would. I wouldn't. I could not. I wouldn't think Thompson to go look at Oklahoma uh, if if Gabriel's going there. Yeah, that's true. I guess if if he's going there to join his offensive coordinator, yeah, um, that's he had probably Central not a good situation. Yeah, he, come in. Yeah, yeah. So he had him at Central Florida under Heupel, and then. He was going to go to him with Ole Miss because he had been working for Kiffin, and then he got hired away by uh, by OU. So the OC did. Yeah, there's not any uh, there's not any confusion in any of this. That's I'm trying I'm trying to be clear as mud on everything. <laughs> it's very clear where everybody's going, and you know the reasons that they're going, and so forth. So, well, that would be a, that would be a good situation for Nebraska, uh, you know. But uh, the the same thing I said. I think every time I've been on here, you know, what what is the mindset of Logan Smothers, Heinrich Harburg, um, Torres, the kid that's in the recruiting class, when the coach is saying, we got to bring in this guy, we got to bring in a transfer portal quarterback, where does, that, where does that put the competition for those guys, or do they then look to go somewhere else? Well, Mike, can, can you worry about, hurting the feelings of the guys in the quarterback room whenever 
everyone in the state knows it's a it's a do or die season for Scott Frost. You, you know he has to be in win now mode. And I think at that point you have to stop. I don't want to say stop caring about the feelings in the room, but yet you have to put the the, the team success as a whole above individual egos. No, no, I agree with you on that point, Elijah. My question is, if you evaluated these guys at some point, what your evaluation was and what you thought it was, or, you know, it's like the, I think I mentioned this before, but Abe Lemons was a coach at, basketball coach at Oklahoma City University, and he always had a lot of one-liners. <laughs> and uh, he, he talked about uh, recruiting. And he said he'd recruit guys and he'd get them there, and then he'd have to call them into his office and say, I thought I liked you, but I don't. Uh, it's two-way street isn't it you got to coach him up and get him better but the kids also got to be willing to be coached and put some time in and you can't be trevor lawrence man there's just few very few trevor lawrences and 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 peyton mannings out there that start from day one and do well yeah and and that's true and you bring in a quarterback there's probably no promises to that quarterback you come in and you're going to compete and and maybe the competition in the spring is such that uh that uh, one of these other guys uh, steps up or, you know, and they're young guys, so they've got time. Um, but you have to compete. That's the difficult thing, I think, with the with the transfer portal is that uh, people bail. You know, they think they're in a situation where they're not going to get the opportunity they want, so they bail and go somewhere else. Um, and you don't have the opportunity really to develop the way you would need to. I, you know, I always think when we get into these discussions, I think, you know, what if the transfer portal would have existed back when uh, Tommy Fraser and Brooke Behringer were here? No, you know? thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> merely speculation, but, you know, that's one of the things that I've always respected about uh, the way Brooke Behringer did things mm-hmm. was that, you know, he hung in there. He stayed. When the opportunity came, he took advantage of it, and then, you know, he didn't didn't play a whole lot in 95, but but he had a great attitude, and, and players responded to him. So, um, you, know, you know, I don't think you see as much of that now, again, because of the transfer portal. Just just not as much patience exists. Right. And, uh, you know, everyone, everything's so sped up. You, you need to perform so you can get on to the next. And it's not easy to be good, let alone start, early in your college career, but – some kids or people that they're listening to anyway don't give it a chance. They're they're just on to the next, and they're they're doing a disservice to themselves uh, by by not maybe taking some lumps or or, or growing from not winning the job. Uh, the other part of it too is what is the job ever going to be open again? That's where they get turned off potentially. Yeah, and time to move on. Babbers, a thought on Husker hoops, uh, Nebraska, Michigan State, almost, but not quite enough against Ohio State. Any expectations tonight for some competitiveness for Nebraska? Well, you know, it just seems like Nebraska goes into a little bit of a stretch where it's not playing the way it needs to. But, you know, as long as they have an opportunity to move the ball around, move the ball around, even if you're shooting threes, if you move the ball and get that open three shot, you don't hurry at it. Um, take it reasonable. I think Nebraska's always going to have a chance if those threes are dropping. Um, and, and I like the way the last game, you know, they passed the ball around a little bit more. I think they have to do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I still think they have the talent to get the job done, but they need to work together. Um, 
uh, and and like I said, pass the ball around, look for the open shot. Don't just crank up the first three-point opportunity that you think you've got. There was more possessions against Ohio State where there were multiple passes and good looks, or they at least tried to get downhill for sure, getting to the free throw line multiple times. Uh, that was that was key. That was big, and they took some some better shots. Now there were still a handful of what the hell shots, but mm-hmm. for the most part, I liked. They looked like a different team. They got to carry it over and be patient and try and match physic, uh, the, you know, the Sparty's physicality. But I like how they've kind of shifted their attention, how they practice. I hope they can carry it over and they're not discouraged yeah. by the overtime. Yep, discouraged is the is the word I was going to use, too. That, that's the thing. As long as they keep that competitive nature that they've got, that they've shown, um, they're competitive, they're aggressive, um, but they don't take the, the immediate three-point shot. They pass the ball around and get an opportunity to do some things. Um, I, think, I, I think they're going to have an opportunity. Mike, what I liked on Saturday was the fact that though the Husker defense wasn't perfect, uh, they seemed to show a little more effort, a little more intensity than in previous games. And can that be a, a formula for success moving forward in the Big Ten? I know, I know Hoiberg and his system is so predicated on offense and putting, uh, putting the ball through the hoop, but can, can it be a, a formula for success to, to start your, your effort defensively uh, and then to, to expect the points to come if you can keep the other team's offense in check? Yeah, no, I think you've got to be aggressive defensively, and that's an important part of what Nebraska has to do because Nebraska doesn't have the size of a lot of these Big Ten uh, opponents. So, you know, you don't have the big man, the dominant big man. Um, you've got to be more aggressive on defense, and I think they have the capability to do that. Um, just you got to have that. That's a mindset, you know, and, and like you said, maybe we saw a little bit more of that kind of mindset in the last game, but uh, – it's got to be there. You've got to you got to work hard on defense. That's got to be a priority, I think. Mike, about a minute here, bud. What's coming up with Hale Varsity Magazine and dot com? What are you working on? Well, um, trying to get ready for the January issue of the magazine, and you got to build up some momentum after coming off the holiday break. Um, <laughs> that's what the deal is. But I think Brandon's working on something that has to do with uh, football, and and I think it's a you know, he always has unique ideas about stuff, so I'm going to look forward to seeing how that that pans out. Myself, I'm just trying to find uh, topics for uh, retrospective addict, turn the page, same same stuff always. That'll be fun. Can't wait to read it. Follow Mike on Twitter at MDBabs. Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famer, and Husker Insider. Babbers, we'll talk next week. Thanks for the time, bud. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, there he is, Mike Babcock. We'll check in. Uh, on the green, Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge, next. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hail Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. 
It's uh, Wednesday, 440, and that means it's Mike Shuhart time, Wilderness Ridge Golf. And uh, you can go see Shuey, get fit, get taut. And, uh, you know, when things warm up, get uh, a drink on the, the deck and that swim bar, baby. Shuey, it's uh, 2022. Happy New Year. Happy belated New Year. Good to be with you. And, brother, I want to start off with all the, the wonderful things in store for a new year at Wilderness. Yeah, pretty exciting. I mean, we are super excited. Progress on our pool area. Um, our aquatic center is progressing nicely. They're still out there working away, even though it's only about nine degrees outside. Um, so, yeah, that'll be uh, open in the spring. So, super excited about that. Construction on the clubhouse, our new members area. So, there's a lot of stuff going on, but progress is uh, moving right along. So, super excited about what's coming. So, we, we've talked about this in in past years about, like, the coldest game you ever attended as a fan for Nebraska football. Some will swear that uh, 1991 game and in Boulder where it was a night game and it was like yeah. 20 below that a lot of a lot of staff and former players are like, yep, that's the winner. And that will always be the winner. I want to ask you about golf this time of year. And it wasn't that long ago. I was I was playing well on, on Christmas Eve day and it was 60 degrees and God, it was awesome to get out and play some golf in December in Lincoln. Uh, you though, as a pro, what's the what's the chilliest? What's the what's the coldest you've had to uh, deal with? What's the the worst weather conditions uh, temp wise? Uh, it was uh, one of my first years going to Q school, and I was in uh, Katy, Texas. Okay. And I'm looking at the forecast. Well, I'm just thinking I'm going to Katy, Texas. Man, it's Texas. It's going to be nice, right? And it's it's end of November-ish, and I get down there, and I had a sweater, maybe, and all of a sudden, a cold front came through, and I'm playing the qualifying, man. I got nothing but a sweater, no gloves, no hat, no nothing, and it was probably in the 20s. Really? And yeah, that was the coldest I've ever been. Unprepared, uh, young and dumb, and you know. <laughs> So you learn. no, I, I get it. Was was the wind a factor, or was it just twenty and no wind? No, it was twenty and windy. Yeah, wind chill was brutal. So it's like you know they were talking about not even playing, but they, it was playable. You know, it was just super cold and blustery, and and if you didn't have the right stuff, it was going to be a long day. Even if you had the right stuff, it was going to be a long day. And I had none of the above. So how'd you cope? Uh, I, I didn't cope very well that day. <laughs> Mike Schuart's with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, you guys have just pretty much state-of-the-art indoor practice options, don't you? Yeah, that's nice. We're we're in our new uh, pro shop and academy, so um, we've been in that about a month. So it's uh, we got people hitting balls right now, actually. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Now, I've always wondered... Um, I, I'm not sure if you know the nuts and bolts of those like little golf simulators, but how do they actually know like, oh, this is where the ball is going to go and this is how far it's going to go and it's going to have some uh, uh, some draw or what? How do those golf simulator just tells me to quit? <laughs> <laughs> it's like didn't register, didn't register. <laughs> Give up no, the game. They're, they're, actually, they're actually quite amazing. You know, you, you have a you have a couple different kinds. You have a Doppler radar systems that actually track the ball. 
through the system, and then you have other that are, are more algorithm-based. So as it takes a snapshot of what the ball is doing off of impact, um, it, it, it can tell you how fast the ball is spinning, um, uh, how fast it's traveling, um, what kind of side spin it has. Um, it, it's amazing the technology that's out there and getting better all the time. Chewy, a uh, thought here. Huskers tip off against Sparty almost, but not quite enough against Ohio State. <laughs> they, they looked a lot better, but still some frustrating moments because you couldn't close up five with 30 seconds left. A, are you going to watch? B, are you over Sunday night? Uh, I always watch. I mean, I always get really frustrated because it's just very frustrating, you know, watching their basketball, football of their stuff you know and just trying to figure out what the heck is going on and where where have we gone to you know it's like closing out games but you always watch and hope for the best you know they just i mean they they gotta they gotta try not to win games and just play basketball you know and they got to get better and work on their craft and try to get better every week because of the wins are things that come you know it's just i i mean it's you can't explain what it is. I mean, you got guys at the free throw line that typically are okay free throw shooters that shoot up bricks, and it's just very frustrating, you know. So success breeds success, and they haven't had a lot of that. So it's like, are they going to? They need to get some success to build some confidence and and to get a little bit better. But uh, it's, I'll watch, but it's going to be brutal. Well, we'll see. You know, you just wonder how they'll respond off of Sunday. Well, there, there was that moment last year. I think it was against Michigan or was it against Minnesota where they, they kind of turned the corner at the end of last season. And they started putting together better performances after that. And you, you wonder. Well, then you see the Rutgers game where they go off. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then you see them like at their peak. And you're like, okay, that's what it's supposed to look like. Uh, when it all comes together. And I, I just wonder, could, could that game against Ohio State be the game that gave them the confidence they need to move forward through the Big Ten slate? Well, they got to, Shuey, you'll agree with this, they got to keep playing as smart as they played against Ohio State. I mean, they got they can't revert back to hero ball. Yeah, they got to get so much better. I mean, they still, as much, as much better as they look, they were still, I mean... You got that freshman that went off for a freaking 100 points, and it's no. like, I would have too, man. All he did was shoot uncontested threes. It's like, <laughs> it was like practice. Hmm. I mean, I don't know how many wide open jumpers that guy hit. So it's like, hmm. you know, you get you, there's so many things they got to get better on. And just their, I don't know why Burge was not in the game at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to talk about a guy that can get to the hoop and at least get fouled possibly. Make I mean, they throws. had their chances, but. I don't. I mean, just some of the decisions. I mean, he would, especially in the last minutes. I mean, you would think that guy's unguardable at times. Oh, you know? I know. And he's, I would he's want a, him in there when I need him. Sure, you could have gone that route, and he's probably a little better shoot free throw shooter than Lat. Be honest. So. Uh, yeah. So, uh, real quick here, uh, the Casey Thompson option at quarterback. Maybe that is a target. Yes or no? Do you believe Nebraska can get two portal quarterbacks? I think they can if they sell it right, which it sounds like they're trying to. You know, you got Chuba, and then you got Casey, and that's your one, your top guy, and then your guy right behind him, and one's more of a, a development guy where the other guy's in, playing, gone. You develop Chuba into that next position, I think possibly. But, man, it's 
that's tough to do. Guys that are in the portal usually are going places to play, mm-hmm. and they think they can play. You know, so it's like I, I don't know if that will work. But if you can sell it right, you know, it makes sense if that's what they're trying to sell. And if you can get the guys to buy into it, it makes a lot of sense, you know. But he, you know, he's still going to have the opportunity to compete for the job. But you know, he's in the developmental stage too to get better at that position and take it over. So it might. We'll see, Shuey. Best to you, bud. We'll talk next week. Always, man. Happy New Year. You too, bud. Appreciate you. There he is, Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Good to talk some golf with Shuey. We'll wind down hour one with Hale Varsity. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Well, Aaron Rodgers has sounded off on a NFL icon when it comes to media member and uh, friend of the show when we first started the show. An update on that reminder from your friends at the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety. It's going to get cold and icy and snowy and gross. So please buckle up. Game preparation and repetition predict success and winning. Drivers and uh, vehicle passengers who always use their seatbelts will increase their survival chances if a crash should happen. Remember, always buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office will have an open phone segment at 525. We'll dive into what's the, the new number, what should the new number be for Coach Chinander. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, when it comes to bump, uh, that's uh, on the table there. Uh, if Nebraska wants to, to keep uh, their defensive coordinator potentially long-term, good story by Mitch Sherman we'll get into. Andy Markowski's 10 minutes away. Aaron Rodgers sounding off with Pat McAfee. And strong words for Hub Arkish, who's an MVP voter. He said he's not going to vote for the biggest jerk in the league, and he's a, quote, bad guy. So that's Hub Arkish. Hub Arkish started covering the NFL when Joe Namath was predicting a win over Baltimore in Super Bowl three. So I know Hub Arkish a little bit better than I do Aaron Rodgers. And there's just a pattern of behavior with Aaron Rodgers when you look at his family and how they're estranged. When you look at the fact that the, the guy is as talented as he is, but I don't get why he had to go to JUCO first before finally landing at Cal and then dropping all the way to where he dropped to in the draft. There's there's some off-the-field stuff, clearly, with him where he's kind of a man. I, I don't dislike Aaron Rodgers. I don't know him. He seems kind of like a weird guy who's pretty high on himself, but the guy is incredibly talented. And that's what I'm going to judge. If I'm if, I, if I'm voting for the MVP, what am I going to look at? Am I going to look at personality in person? Or am I going to look at on-the-field results and, quite honestly, the, how well Green Bay's playing? I mean, maybe, maybe Hub just was honest and said, yeah, this is what I think of the guy. But when push comes to shove, maybe he'll, he would vote for Aaron anyway, despite his personal feelings. Because Hub's a professional. I mean, Hub's done Westwood One. He's done NFL Network. He's done uh, 100 books. I mean, the, the guy's... Pretty inst- pr- a big time institution. He just hates Aaron Rodgers. See, my, my, and my thing with it is, he he called him a, a jerk, a bad guy, and I don't think that's I don't think that's Aaron. He could be unlikable. I think Aaron Rodgers is very unlikable. Uh, when you hear the the stuff he's done to his family, just uh, 
how he uh, went about we don't, his whole we COVID don't, business. We don't yeah. ever know the full. St- we just don't know the full story on Aaron Rodgers from the get go. To to me, from from you know five star prospect with a bowl cut that ends up having to go JUCO. I, I just I just don't get the why the why it's been so hard for him to thrive. And once he's gotten on that stage, he's been great. He's won a Super Bowl. He's won MVPs. He's playing his best ball. He's playing incredible. My, my thing is. He's not a felon. He's not like beating up people on the field. He's, he's not, not Antonio a jerk Brown. Yeah, no, he's not that. He's I'm clearly been the most impactful player when you see what he's done with the 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 Packers this season. It's not like they have the most dominant offense, but he's incredible. He makes it. He's incredible with the uh, the the way he protects the ball, uh, scores points, distributes the ball around the offense. Has done it through COVID issues within his team. He's he's been great this year, and I think he deserves the MVP this year. Well, Vic's right on. He says, "Look, it's the MVP, and he is as a player, just not as a person." Sure. All right, Andy Markowski on the way. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Dot com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it at Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk some Husker basketball. Men's and women's, we welcome in the pride of Ord standout, Andy Markowski, at Markowski underscore Andy on Twitter. Of course, uh, assistant at Pius as well for the uh, girls team. Andy, you still smiling about last night uh, with the Husker women? Yeah, what a great uh, atmosphere. You know, a good crowd for a late uh, Tuesday night game and you know, had a chance to play a top 10 team in Michigan and, you know, give credit to the, to the Nebraska women. They played really well, played with a lot of energy and, uh, you know, got maybe uh, one of hopefully many signature wins this season. You know, that signature part, first time in seven years or so, you take down a top 10 team and Nebraska did so. They bounced back. They focused hard on on the rebounding. And, and I know it didn't go their way against Sparty earlier but man, was was Coach Williams and, and her crew ready for uh, a really good Michigan team? I want to focus on Alexis for a moment. Uh, her first career start, twenty points, great on the glass, and a big time three in that third quarter to kind of stymie a run. Did, did do you have much conversation with her, or do you just kind of sit back and watch and be dad? You know, we we have a great you know parent daughter relationship uh our dad daughter relationship but but we still talk a lot of basketball she's been around a lot of a break and you know we went to the pious gym for a couple of days and had a chance to, to watch some tape and we watched hillman which we knew was going to be a a challenge so you know i i try to you know if she wants to engage in basketball i'll go there and and you know try to guide her and mentor her um you know without 
overstepping, you know, out of mm-hmm. bounds, uh, you know, with what the coaching staff is, is trying to do with her. But, but she's, uh, she loves the game. She loves her teammates. She loves to win. She's always looking for an edge. So, you know, the fact that, that we can have that conversation, she's really grown over the last couple of years with watching the film and, and understanding that, you know, she's not always the, the, the biggest, strongest, best player on the court now. And, and she's looking for other ways to, to improve and expand her game. So, um, you know, I, I want to be a dad. I enjoy sitting there watching. This is the first time in, in my life and her life that I haven't controlled the, you know, potentially the outcome of a game. So I have to sit there and, 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 and watch her perform. But, you know, Coach Williams and the staff have done a great job and, and she had great teammates. And, you know, that showed last night. They had a, you know, started to go down. And, and uh, that's a great thing about having a deep team is, is you want, you know, your bench to, to step up when the number's called and, and be able to deliver. And fortunately for Alexis, uh, you know, she was able to help help win that game last night. So Nebraska Downs, Michigan women's basketball, 79-58. Alexis Markowski, great ball game for her. Jazz uh, Sheely also a uh, standout performance, team effort, group effort. So you've got uh, some momentum. And uh, I know Iowa looms, and, and it's a tough week ahead. But, you know, what, what were you expecting or hoping, I guess, for – last night because you know uh michigan's kind of been the the circled team a favorite team you know what does this do for the for the women's team uh moving forward here from a confidence standpoint with a lot of the big 10 season remaining well i you know people say they haven't played a tough schedule i mean if you know basketball you know they're not covered schedule you know they, they've won some you know, good games against good teams. Now, you know, having Michigan number eight, you know, from from a fan validity standpoint, you know, I, I think that allowed them to, to kind of take that next step. Um, but the league is really hard. I mean, they have 18 games. In, in my opinion, Michigan is, is probably third in the league. Maryland and Indiana, I think, are, are a step ahead. You know, you stub your toe at Michigan State, you didn't play well, and, you know, that can happen on the road. So, you know, for them to have the maturity and, you know, and, and come back and regroup and, and really, um, you know, play their most complete game of the season, you know, I, I think it should give them momentum. But, you know, as you mentioned, they have Iowa on Sunday, which is top 25 team. You know, Caitlin Clark is, is you know, truly a once-in-a-generational talent. I I encourage people to, to get down to PBA Sunday. Uh, you know, it, it's a great – Nebraska team and, and they're playing a rival in Iowa and, and I think people would really enjoy uh, this team and the energy and the connectivity that they play with and, um, and, and certainly just to see Caitlin Clark which will be a you know one or two pick in the WNBA draft whenever she decides to come out and uh, you know just the talent um, and Nebraska will have to do a good job with her if they want to, to upset another top 25 team. Andy, from your time playing, coaching the game, would you rather have these these tough opponents stacked on top of each other like the team has this year, or would you rather get a, get a get a break in between these? I know momentum can be a big thing in basketball, and uh, you can get some momentum coming off this Michigan game. But would you rather have somebody that uh, you can maybe walk over, not to say walk over because it's the Big Ten, but somebody that's a, a little easier, or, or would you rather stack these top twenty five opponents on top of each other uh, and just hope you can get your momentum going for these teams? Yeah, as a coach, I'd rather play Prairie View A&M 30 times. But, um, you know, that that's, uh, seems, seems a little easier to show up on game night when you, when you know you're going to win. But, yeah, it, you know, it, it's basketball is a momentum, you know, sport, right? It's confidence. You know, uh, teams tend to go on runs. You, you don't always play, you know, your best over an 18-game conference season. You, you know, you, the teams will have some peaks and valleys through that. So, 
you know, knowing that we have, you know, Iowa at home and we're at Indiana Thursday, then you're at Iowa next Sunday, you know, you, you hope Nebraska can ride a little, ride a little momentum wave here because, you know, they're going to need to really play well over, over those three games. And even if you play well, you, you could lose three in a row here, but that doesn't take you out of your, your season goal. So, you know, you kind of got to play the games in the order they're stacked, but I, I do believe there is momentum, there is confidence that, you know, that does play, play a, a part when you go through a long 18 or 20 game conference season. Eddie Markowski is with us. Hale Varsity Radio, Husker basketball standout, also proud papa of Alexis Markowski. The Husker women do their thing, and they are trying to continue as Iowa on the docket Sunday. Andy, let's switch over to the men. What did Sunday night say to you about, uh, about Fred and his crew against Ohio State? Yeah, I was I was really um, pleased with with that game. I mean, I know you know athletics is cruel. I mean, we we did everything we could to to win the game and and just had a couple things get away from us late. But I, I felt for the first time, you know, they played with a purpose. I th- I thought they had a game plan. I you know I thought they did a good job of executing that game plan defensively. I thought offensively they played with a purpose. You know, their their shot shot selection wasn't always perfect, but it was better. You know, I, I thought they uh, played through Walker, like Fred said they were going to do over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I thought McGowan's was more committed to, to getting downhill, which is, you know, a strength of his. You know, I thought there was some accountability to to players that didn't either give effort or have four-shot selection where, where they were taken out of the game and, and held accountable to that. Um, so I, I was I was disappointed for Fred and the group. I, I, I thought they were catching Ohio State at a great time. Uh, had a good game plan, uh, just just could not pull off the win. Um, you know, now it's 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 you know the Big Ten. I looked at their next five or six games, and you just wish they could have got a win there because their next five, I think, they're at Purdue and Illinois, and they're at Rutgers, and it's just a brutal Big Ten slate this year. But I, I think as a Nebraska fan, as a former player, the, the game that you watched uh, Sunday, you, you can live with that. That is a respectable effort and. and uh, it resembled basketball, and you know, just give them credit that over the last two or three weeks, they've they've improved as a team, and and uh, you know, tonight will be a different challenge and a, and a harder place to play with a different a different team. Uh, but yet, you know, you, you hope they can carry some of the positives from Ohio State and, and, and be competitive on you know what's a really difficult place to play. Andy Markowski's with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And Andy, I want to pose to you a question that I posed to Jacob Padilla on Monday, and that's that Ohio State game on Sunday. Knowing that you got Ohio State really at a good time uh, for uh, for Nebraska to, to get a, a good chance against them, uh, combine that with the fact you really did everything you could to get the win, but you still came up short at the end. Is that reason for optimism, knowing how close you were, or is it reason for pessimism, knowing, well, they did everything they could to win and they still couldn't get the job done? Yeah, I, I, I'm optimistic because going into that game, you know, based on the, uh, the data points we had up to that point, uh, you know, regardless if you're catching Ohio State at the same time, they're a top 20 team that have, you know, been in the NCAA tournament, well coached. Um, and, you know, we really, you know, went toe to toe with them. And, you know, they had one freshman that had a, had a great game, and, and you got to give them credit. So, you know, I, I, We'll know more after the Michigan State game if, if we can, um, you know, kind of turn the corner and, and be competitive as, as everybody kind of thought they would be going into this season. But but I'm optimistic because they they um, the, the physicality and the purpose that they played with I think will give them a chance uh, more times than, than pre Christmas. Um, you know, the effort and, and just the, the lack of energy and the lack of. Uh, 
of just decision making, the shot selection, you know, you, you know that you're going to lose in the league if, if you can't get those things corrected. And for one game, you know, against Ohio State, I, I thought they corrected a lot of those things that, that gave them a chance to win. Eddie, let's talk about Alonzo Verge here for a moment. And just 22 minutes for Verge. Didn't see any time in the in the second half or minimal time in the second half. Uh, just one for six from the floor. And uh, Fred Road Kobe uh, Webster uh, because he was he was hot. He was playing well. The offense was flowing, and you're up five with 30 seconds left after a nice play, getting to the rack, and then finding Lant on that dunk. Now, you couldn't close out, but to, to Verge, do you worry about his response, or are you excited to see how he responds tonight with, uh, with minutes and opportunity against a team like Michigan State? Well, that, that's the true test of a, of a team sport, Chris, it, it, is if you're not here – you know, for the right reasons, where where you're here to you know, help your team win, and and you know, as a as a transfer point guard, you know, no one likes to sit on the bench. Uh, but college is, is a competitive environment. Um, you have to support your teammates. If that's five minutes, ten minutes, or thirty minutes, you've got to be willing to to do what the team asks of you that game. And you know, give Webster credit. He he played well. Verge, I I thought you know took a couple poor shots where. Um, you know, Fred needed to give Webster, um, you know, the opportunity, and, and Webster played well enough to not be taken back up the court. So, you know, I, I hope, you know, they're going to need Birch tonight. I think Michigan State's guards are are a little bit more athletic than Ohio State's. Um, you know, there's been times that they could play Verge and Webster together. Ohio State, they couldn't because they're doubling the post and they needed to be able to rotate on the backside. And, and playing two small guards wasn't uh, – you know, something they can do against the Ohio State game. So, you know, time will tell. But but if you're not here for the right reasons, um, you know, and you become pouty and disinterested, and, and you know, that might be a reason why Nebraska has, has struggled to this point. So hopefully Verge, uh, you know, it, whether he starts or comes off the bench, you know, plays the, the best of his ability, plays hard, be, you know, be a leader and, and, and help Nebraska be competitive on the road. So um, I guess we'll, we'll know more about Alonso tonight. And, and uh, you know, maybe it's just a one-game deal where, where, where Verge knows now he's got some pressure that, that holds him accountable to, to shot selection and playing a little harder. And, and, and sometimes those are things that coaches are looking for to help your team improve. With Bryce tonight, are you going to give him, could you give him more opportunity with the ball in his hand to create? And that's one thing I was watching in overtime where Kobe did well the last few minutes in regulation, but uh, things just got stagnant in overtime. And Ohio State obviously got hot from three. The first three shots they took, they, they drilled him, and all of a sudden, bang, you're down in OT. Uh, and, and Bryce was more off the ball. So I, I'm interested if, if maybe part of the, the plan going forward or uh, maybe the option is seeing if McGowan's can, can kind of run it and create it with the ball in his hand. Is that something you see? You think maybe we see with Nebraska yeah, tonight? I, I, I do. I mean, I, I don't like you know, Bryce as a point guard where he's asked to, to kind of bring it up and, and, and then attack. I mean, Fred's doing a good job of trying to move him and, and create some double gaps to, to allow him to get downhill right-handed, which – which he's good at, you know, you're right, Chris. I, I think Burge is still our, our best guard in terms of getting downhill and creating for, for their teammates. You know, Webster is okay at it, uh, but, but Burge is still, um, you know, the best we have on, on breaking the defense down when he, when he wants to distribute, 
and uh, make plays for his teammates. But, you know, Fred's got to be creative. Uh, you know, he's going up against uh, a guy that's won a few games, uh, you know, in his coaching career. And, you know, the good thing is Michigan State's lost twice this year. I guess the bad thing is, you know, it's been to Baylor and Kansas. So they, they, they win a lot. You know, I guarantee Izzo will have a good strategy to, to make it hard on McGowan. Fred's going to have to be creative on how to, you know, how, how to keep encourage him to get downhill and get fouled. He's, he's uh, I think he will be a good shooter. Uh, the ball comes off his fingers; it rotates. Um, but right now, him settling for a bunch of step back threes doesn't help us win. Him getting downhill and getting to the free throw line is is still what you need of him. And, and, and Fred's going to have to find some ways to to free him up for him to do that tonight. Andy Markowski is with us. Andy will get you out uh, interested. Let's uh, hear uh, your take on how it stays competitive tonight in East Lansing. Some keys for Nebraska. Obviously, we start with rebounding. Yeah, anytime you play Michigan State, um, you know, that's what, what Izzo has been known for, right? They always have a, a double-digit rebounding margin. I think this year it's only eight. They're, they're, they're playing – uh, a little faster. I mean, he's adjusted with the times a little bit. He used to be very uh, controlled. The runs a ton of set plays. They're actually getting a, about a third of their offense out of, out of their transition opportunities. They shoot a lot more threes. So, you know, for Nebraska, it's, it's, it's going to be a couple things. Their shot selection matters because if you're shooting off balance shots or you're driving and falling down and, and Michigan State's able to get out in conversion and get to the rim and kick out to the three-point shooters, uh, it'll be a long night for Nebraska. So, if they can you know, if we can find ways to score, but, you know, be patient offensively, slow it down, and then, you know, Michigan State's playing more like maybe a Creighton in terms of uh, they, they do have a, you know, one one good inside kid, but they, they are taking a lot of threes, playing with a lot of perimeter and, and score more in transition than they do in the half-court set. So, you know, score in the basket so we can uh, get our defense set, take a good shot today, Chris. Anytime you go on the road, you, you just can't get beat by double digits on the, on the rebound margin or, or you won't be competitive. Andy, best to you and your fam. Thanks for jumping on with us. All right, guys. Happy New Year. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Andy Markowski. Great to be with you on a Wednesday. Hail Bar City Radio, Nebraska Sparty. Coming up, Huskers look to uh, stay competitive. How about shocking a, a top 10? That'd be all right. I, you don't need to breathalyzer me. I'm not saying it's happening. I'm saying it'd be all right if you're a Nebraska basketball fan. How about uh, back-to-back top 10 vanquish? Vanquishings, huh? You, you, the women take down number eight. If you're Nebraska, you go on the road. Why not? I got a lot of reasons as to why. We'll get into it a little bit. But how does $1 million grab you when it comes to what Nebraska could pay a coordinator? Are you going to scoff or sneeze at that if that's what it ends up being for Whipple? I think a lot of you have gone into that 
financial number and said, you know, if that's what it takes to fix the offense, who cares? Well, let's look at the other side of the football. The black shirts, the Nebraska defense. And a really nice story by Mitch Sherman, our friend from The Athletic. And uh, it makes a very sound, strong case for Coach Eric Chenander to be the next million-dollar man. You have 10 assistants in college football at at a million five or more, and you have both coordinators at Michigan making a million. I know it didn't show up against Georgia, but overall, wow, right? Michigan, if if, uh, you're just kind of pointing to building and then getting to that opportunity, Michigan's someone you want to follow, just not against Georgia on that spotlight or stage to get manhandled. But would you scoff at a pay raise for Eric Chenander? He's making $800,000, so he ain't poor. That said, did, did his defense play well enough to be in that million-dollar man territory? That's a question. And I look at this. How many years has Nebraska paid coaches and ADs to go away? It's staggering the millions upon millions of dollars that you've handed out to Dirty Bob to leave, to Grandpa to leave, to Smiley Jones to leave, to Bo to leave and his staff. You've handed out money to go away for one reason or another because nine wasn't good enough or eight and four going from eight and four, nine and four to four and eight brutal, right? The last year of Riley and then what you saw on the field in 17. So here's the, 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 the gamble you take and go back to Trev Albert's comments last week, a lot of praise and deservedly so on Chenander He's a worker. He's a teacher. If things go sideways for Nebraska football from Ireland through week six before the bye week, right, that's your window to prove if you're Frost. You had about an eight-game stretch, the final two games of this year and the next six pre-bye week next year. I mean, Shenander's going to be your interim, okay? Could be your interim. I don't have a problem with giving Chenander a, a bump to a million to keep him around. You've got your coaches convention that's ongoing. So Chenander could get hired away to run his own program. It's not going to be a power five. I don't know that it's going to be a high level group of five, but if he wants a head coaching opportunity, it could be there for him. The NFL could be there again for him because he was in, in Philly. Uh, and, and to be honest, while they were good, not great, and I know the run defense got leaky towards the end of the year, they were Sherpas with thousands of pounds on their back climbing a mountain all year long. When you look at special teams, Elijah, and you look at lack of complementary football offensively, they were a one-man band, and they played enough hits to keep you in the ball game. Uh, should they have created some more turnovers? Yeah. Should they have scored some more points defensively? Yeah. Were they good between the 20s? They got bloodied a little bit, but they were really pretty decent in red zone defense. And they were top 40. This top 40 equal a million dollars for your coordinator. There's a new normal. 
just ask the next quarterback that's transferring and going into the portal for an NIL opportunity and, and a starting spot. So I have no problem handing that amount of money to Chenander, A, to keep him, B, to reward him for this build. What's been consistent? What's been good? What have you seen go the right way for Nebraska? And again, we're not talking 09. We're not talking 2010. We're not talking 85 Bears. We're not talking Levante and Sue. No, I know. But as a unit, I think as a Nebraska fan, you would say, look, they made me proud, specifically the Michigan State game. They were good last year. It'll be a task to get them back to that level next year. But you got enough dudes back that you shouldn't fall off that much. You need to be developing. That's what I've seen from Chenander is development on his defensive side. And I have seen a defensive squad that has finally, after years of us waiting, earned a title of, of being a black shirt. Is I think that the defense this year finally started to represent some of those black shirt ideals that I remember from my childhood. I'm mm-hmm. sure you remember from your childhood and even through your. No, we'll talk to Mr. Blackshirt Friday. Yeah, it, it finally feels like this defense is starting. They don't have all the qualities, but they're starting to get there in terms of a black shirt defense. So I think you reward Shenander for that again. Whenever you even look at where he started at, being probably the worst defense in the Big uh, Ten, Mike Riley's last season, to where he's got them at now, where not only are are they giving you a chance to win. They're, they're your best chance to win every single uh, week this year was the defense. Mm-hmm. Is the, the hopes of the team rested on the defense. So to keep him around, I think, he, yeah, it makes sense to bump him up over a million dollars. It's not because uh, the necessarily the, the body of work of this 2021 defense was worth a, a million dollars a year, but it's where he took them from, and it's to keep him around here. It, it's kind of a... Uh, and he's got a long career left, but career like career achievement, right? Let's look at the work he's done since he's been here. Uh, Ken emails in, uh, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Shouldn't Chins prove it passed one year with most of his talent graduating? Like, if you're going to give a million bucks, let's see what you do without some super seniors. That's a, that's a fair counter, but I'll say this. You had a bunch of super seniors. Maybe they didn't have the best NFL prospects. Maybe their best prospect was to come back and get a sixth year, but man, you had a number of guys play good ball, and some of them, I will say this, got rushed into or maybe lost a year, not only with the COVID, but who knows how they were managed or handled, quite frankly, that final Riley year with that transition. So I'll say this, if that says more to me that you got a guy like JoJo and Cam Taylor-Britt and a guy like Stilly, that says a lot to me, first and foremost, that they wanted to come back. Mm-hmm. And they they came back for three and nine. It wasn't their fault it was three and nine. Uh, you had a lot of guys on offense this year, you can name the guys that are departing, defense and offense, that saw those super seniors come back and say, my God, we they came back for three and nine. What's the future hold for us? So it was easy to, to move on with some NFL opportunity, especially if you're Austin Allen and Cam Jurgens. Mm-hmm. And then there's Adrian and let, get me the hell out of here. <laughs> let me go, go to the Little Apple. Listen, I can see both ways. I would err on the side of let's keep him around. He's a grown-up. Kids love playing for him. He's fair. He develops. And, and he's kind of a throwback. And I think his defense is good, not great. Do they need, can, they, can they be better? I think they can. They get a pass rusher. 
Uh, can they be better? Yeah. I mean, you've got potentially Dawson moving into a familiar role. You need more from, from Ty Robinson and Casey Rogers, and I think you got a lot from Casey coming back from injury. But you need Garrett Nelson and Caleb Tanner to ball out. Your inside backers have been good. you got to kind of revamp the secondary. But as long as Fish is here, I think they can do that. So... I mean, to, to me, I, I see this. I don't, I would, I would not, don't be, now isn't the time to be cheap with this football team. It, and, and the one side of the ball with the one coordinator that's been here through all of it. You take care of the man. And that's the end of discussion. You've taken care of worse for a lot more in the past. Why not reward a guy that's built up a side of the football that's been pretty good and kept you in ball games? I mean, Bob Diaco is still in Nebraska history the highest paid assistant coach. So um, maybe it's uh, it's a little more deserving of, of Chenander to get Here's, that thrown. What do you However, think, what do you think Dirty Bob spent on a haircut? Because it always looked incredible. Well, maybe that's a part of his contract. <laughs> <laughs> Some guys get country club memberships. Others get SUVs. I want a thousand dollars a month per diem to a spa. <laughs> I interrupted you. I'm sorry. I just—it's like Dirty Bob, that stupid sweatery head on, and they're fine. You know, where you go? Going to the club. <laughs> going to the club. No, but what were you going to say? The, the, way, the way I see this this Chandler situation is, um, I, I see it, uh, and this is a hypothetical, but if someone were to swoop in. Uh, an NFL team and try to get Dan Campbell out of Detroit this offseason. I, I think Detroit likes what they have in Dan Campbell. I think other teams around the league respect Dan Campbell and what he's doing with the Lions this season, despite the fact that the results they're haven't been the they're, they're, they're the Lions. The results haven't been there on the field. That's uh, of no fault of, of Dan Campbell's that the Lions aren't winning all the football games this year. Their GM hasn't put together a great roster for them. However, uh, you've seen that team getting better as the year goes on. You can say, yeah, I think Dan Campbell deserves a couple more years in Detroit, and and, and I think he deserves the respect he's getting starting to get around the league. It's the same with, with Chenander to me in that, no, the 3-9 is not what you want, but the the results of the defense have been getting better. Uh, you can see the... The uh, it's like an upward bar graph, ex- exponential growth. You know, what I'm talking about back in high school math class, where you can you, you don't can need see. to go to high school math class for me, but <laughs> yeah, you've you've seen the trajectory go the right direction. Twenty two point seven points a game is all you allowed. That's enough to win you enough ball games to go bowling. And I think you heard you heard uh, some great head coaches from around the league this year come to their post game press conference say that Nebraska, Nebraska defense, defense is really good. You heard it from Ryan Day. You heard it from Harbaugh. You heard it from some good offensive coaches saying, yeah, that Husker defense was uh, – we weren't looking forward to this one coming into this week. We, we knew it was going to be tough. And I think that's all you need to know about Chenander is knowing that some of the cream of the crop Big Ten coaches didn't want to play this Nebraska defense this year. No, and, and you'll, always, you'll always remember the way the Sparty game ended. But, man, you'll remember the way that Husker black shirt D, they played throwback ball that second half – where you are watching something incredible for a half of football, and you're like, man, that, that felt like old times and good times defensively. It felt like that night at A&M where you got robbed, and it was 9-6, to six, but man, did the D-ball out. Nebraska football fans love that. Uh, we'll wind out a Wednesday at Tale of City presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yeah!
Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a car preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, Tale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us. Dr. Ben, Happy New Year. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm trying to brave this cold right now. How about yourself? You know, I've still got a stocking hat on, even though it's 4,000 degrees in the studio, but uh, I'm, I'm hanging in. Uh, cold being the operative word for Baker Mayfield, as he faded down the season. And uh, Baker, the Browns quarterback, is not going to play in the finale against Cincy. He is going to opt for that uh, shoulder surgery. We've talked Torn Labrams before. This is in his non-throwing shoulder, uh, some Browns fans would argue. Uh, now, enough of the jokes on poor Baker. Uh, what what type of effect can a labrum issue have on a quarterback on the non-throwing shoulder? Well, it depends on how unstable the shoulder is. And by unstable talking, um, it can slide in and out of joint. And so, um, in general, just whether it's his throwing or his non-throwing shoulder, um, just daily activities that can slide in and out. And so that creates a problem just from a pain standpoint, just from always kind of wondering in the back of your mind, you know, is my shoulder going to stay in socket? And so um, also depending on how he takes hits and, you know, really kind of guards himself, that's where a lot of that becomes, in, um, becomes into play. Fortunately, it's not his throwing shoulder, but nonetheless, it's still a problem. You know, Cleveland was going to be that it team. They were a kind of a sexy pick for a Super Bowl run or more of a threat to the Chiefs or pick somebody out of the AFC, and they got off to a 3-1 and one start and then faded. And this injury happened uh, in week two. So Baker's been playing with this uh, shoulder issue, this torn labrum in the non-throwing shoulder, the left side, since week two. You added an extra week onto the season this year and quite frankly Cleveland's offensive line's been just wonderful running the football not so much due to injury uh, protecting Baker so he's absorbed a lot of shots yeah and once you start going down that road of the shoulder popping in and out it really doesn't even take that big of a shot for it to happen again Um, you know even in his throwing motion he's reaching out with his non throwing shoulder that can slip out so the problem for baker is that really once he starts going down that pathway if it doesn't heal um it's going to continue to be like that until it's fixed tell me a little bit about the the harness uh that that baker's been wearing what what type of protective uh shield is that for him 
you had uh, Coach Stefanski acknowledge that that harness uh, possibly affected Baker's performance this year. Yeah, so they got some special braces out on the market that will kind of prevent the shoulder from getting in extreme positions where it'll slip out. Um, so it does a great job from at least trying to prevent him from slipping out without having to have surgery, but at the same time it certainly can restrict motion. Um, you know, and even some athletes don't like wearing that because they feel like it puts a target on their back once people start seeing the fact that, you know, they got that brace on, then obviously they're doing it for specific reasons or a specific injury, and, you know, other, other teams will go for that shoulder. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. And we're talking Baker Mayfield. Uh, his shoulder issue uh, will be worked on this week. Uh, the left uh, non-throwing shoulder, a torn labrum. When it comes to nuts and bolts, Dr. Ben, let's talk about the repair on your guys' end, uh, the difficulty of it, and just the procedural uh, steps you guys take. Well, things have came a long way from 10 to 15 years ago, even 20 years ago. This was a surgery that before you were able to use a camera and do it arthroscopically, going in there and looking with small little tiny holes, um, former athletes had to have a big incision in the front of the shoulder. And so that creates its own set of issues. Um, But nowadays, as long as you get to these problems early on, you can fix these with just a couple tiny little stab incisions where you're putting tiny little cameras through and fixing them with small instruments. And so um, people do fantastic with these surgeries. Um, The biggest issue is that a lot of these patients don't have a tremendous amount of pain um, postoperatively, so you really really got to hold these patients back, especially somebody like Baker, to allow it to heal down um, until he's ready to start playing. Rehab-wise, after the surgery and and you kind of gradually ramp up to to more and more activity what's timeline for 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 rehab uh response for for baker mayfield yeah so traditionally you'll be in the sling for about four to six weeks and really just protecting that repair so those are vital um that he follow those rules because you're relying on the labrum which is a soft tissue structure um to heal into the bone so his shoulder Um, won't slip out and so those first six weeks there's not going to be much going on he certainly might do some therapy for just kind of working on his motion a little bit um, with the therapist but nothing really crazy Um, and then when he starts working on it more from the kind of the six to twelve week mark somewhere in that range he'll start moving it on his own and that's when you really start pushing the motion um, and really not even doing much strengthening until that 12 week mark likely and so it's you know, reliably about a four- to five-month process where he's really starting to feel fairly functional. Again, the, you know, the hurry is you want to get back as soon as possible, but if you try and cheat that healing process, you're going to wind up in the same position he is now where it's sliding in and out. Dr. Ben, is this a concern if you're Cleveland moving forward? I know there's a fifth-year option for him. His performance makes you wonder about the long-term and size of the investment. He was the number one pick overall. That said, it's also reason for kind of a dismal performance or part of a reason. Uh, is this gonna, could this be an excuse to not pick up that option? Or uh, do you look at it as, all right, this is serious, but it's not, as, it's not so serious that it's going to affect him in a fifth year or even uh, more of a, a season 
uh, or it won't affect him in a, in a way that could could negatively impact his response? Yeah, I certainly think if it's his throwing arm, I think that there's a little bit more of a debate on about what they do. Um, you know, I, I think this will be something that he'll recover from. Um, his biggest issue is um, the rehab process, and is he going to follow the rules, and is he going to dislocate or, or slide in and out again? That's where, um, you know, it's not as much of an issue from his throwing motion or his throwing shoulder, but is it going to be something that limits him in the long term because he's not able to play because he continues to pop in and out? And so um, I don't think that it will be a big deal from that uh, option, but you never know with these uh, NFL teams. So will this affect his ability to do commercials? <laughs> I, I don't think you're going to be able to see the incisions or his shoulder modeling career be affected by it. So I think he's going to be fine from that standpoint. So he can still hand model and shoulder model, right? If he's got a long sleeve on, he can still do the old gardening around Cleveland Stadium. <laughs> I think from a Cleveland standpoint for marketing, he's going to, he's going to still be perfect. Uh, wonderful. So I'll get to see him every Sunday on TV, on and off season, one way or another. Dr. Uh, oh, ben, that's exactly right, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Ben Woodhead with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center and Jock Talk Wednesday. Baker Mayfield, our topic, is torn labrum in that left shoulder. Dr. Ben, stay warm. We'll do this again soon. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Chris. See ya. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code gbr miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com the espn lincoln app or download them on itunes saddle up partner back to hail varsity radio well is there much discussion for the top four i'm sure there is Winded out a Wednesday at Tail City, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Christian Elijah Herbal. So you have uh, the top rankings of, of quarterbacks here by Mike Tannenbaum, former Jets GM. And uh, ironically enough, he was there with Sanchez and Sexy Rexy, and they went to a few AFC championship games. Actually beat Tom Brady. And... He has his rankings out, his current rankings of top quarterbacks of the NFL. Your top three, no shock, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. Whoa, that's, whoa, whoa, no Teddy Bridgewater? That's the order. <laughs> I'll get to where Teddy's at for you, but just be patient. We have four minutes here. It's down the list. So Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, Brady. You can make an argument for all of them being one, two, or three. Who would you slate or slide in as the number four quarterback in the league? Are you on the Josh Allen bandwagon? Are you into Herbert? Or do you like Murray? Do you like Dak? Joe Burrow has climbed the ladder 
and uh, wound his way up in number four. Joe's had a great close. Absolutely incredible. Chase has been phenomenal. That was a crazy Chiefs game. Awesome ball game. And I know Chiefs fans are still pissed about it. Matthew Stafford's shown flashes, but he's still shown some inconsistency. I love Josh Allen. We'll get Searle's take on this tomorrow. Murray faded a bit, but man, was he dynamite to start. Man, I'd probably have to go Josh Allen number four. I'm with you. Just just because of he's been pretty injury-free. He gives you the, the mobile threat, and he can get in the end zone that way. And he throws the – and the conditions he's always got to play in. Like it snows in October in Buffalo with the wind. Okay. Uh, so I, I would I would and I love Joe Burrow, but I would slate I would slate Josh Allen just in front of Burrow. And I think you've got a really good five six argument for Burrow, Murray, and Herbert. I mean you've got about seven or eight that are money. And the name that we're not talking about here and maybe it's recency bias with how poorly his team has performed this year, but Russell Back. Wilson. Well, Russell's been hurt. And when when he's on, he's great. He yeah. needs he needs to go. Like he needs a change of scenery. That pains me and my wallet because Junior will want a whole slew of new Russell jerseys if he moves on. But if he's with a different team, with some more help, with a running game that's not hurt, and an interested and maybe res- a defense, well, receiving core not named Lockett. I mean, I know I know DK's money, but. Just depends on the on, on the Sunday whether he's interested or not. Teddy Bridgewater comes in at twenty six, right behind Taysom Hill. That's got to hurt you. I mean, he's not wrong. If you're Baker Mayfield, you're behind Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. But if you're Cam Newton, you're staring up two spots at Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Sam Darnold, Drew Locke, Andy Dalton, Trey Lance, Jordan Love, Sean Mannion, and Kellen Mond, your final two. And what's what's most shocking to me about this list is he has Kirk Cousins as his number 14 quarterback. And we're over time. Ah, uh, whoops. It's all right. We'll continue this tomorrow. Busy show tomorrow. Brandon Vogel, uh, Rick Kaczynski, Searles, Danny Burke. Talk to you at four on Hale Varsity. A Huda Media Production.